The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
the show right there. That's My how we do it. Favorite <laughs> classic rock guitar riff of all time. You know, arguably, arguably, it's it's in that in that list. It's in that consideration in yeah. that top twenty or whatever. Um, yeah, that that so brings me back. You know, that so brings up memories. And who would think one of the ultimate guy songs would be fronted, you know, by sisters? And they shredded. They and did. They, they fucking shredded. <laughs> you know, in, in the context, and you and I were talking about this before the show, it was, I, I would put them in the same category with 1970s Aerosmith. Yeah. As far as just down and dirty rock and roll. Right. And for yeah, those who are not aware, we are, of course, talking about the band Heart, mm-hmm. fronted by the Wilson Sisters. Yes. And that song, of course, is the timeless Barracuda. And I tell you what. Um, I'm kind of envious, quite honestly, because <laughs> you, you cut loose a Barracuda and you, you, you are now going to live forever. You know, you don't... Nice. Yeah, you know... Can't this, walk this, back from that one, can you? No, man. There's so many <laughs> bands that wish, just wish... You know, of, of, you know, all the things that they've done and all the songs they recorded and whatnot, that they had one Barracuda. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what Hart did before or since. Mm-hmm. They're going to live forever courtesy of that tune. True. And, you know, being a Hart fan, as I'm sure you know, you know, courtesy of a couple other tunes. But, but that tune, I mean, my God, that just rocked. Yeah, I mean, it that just one. rocks. They came out know? with that in 77 off the of right. Little Queen album. Yep. And I'm partial to Dreamboat Annie, where a lot of their other big, you know, hits... Uh, came from. Okay. Now I've, I'm. Let's say I'm a Heart fan, pre 1980. Yeah, that okay? makes sense. That makes because sense. much like the band Chicago, they, it's a tale of two cities. There, they yeah. have two totally different bands, philosophy, music styles, you name it. Oh yeah. Um. You know, well, speaking of, I mean Aerosmith, same way. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, the down and the dirty, point. nasty. Mm-hmm. You know drug-addled, like, rockin' Aerosmith of the 1970s. Yep. And then there's the Aerosmith, you know, they were kind of... <laughs> Making music l- for Michael Bay films. Yeah, exactly. They were kind of <laughs> lost for most of the 80s, and then in the 1990s, they came out, and they were a completely different Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, still rocked. It was still sure. Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. But, uh, but, yeah, times changed. And I think a lot of bands... Uh, in the 1980s, like you mentioned, I would dismiss mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff Hart did in the 1980s. Because well, it was very ballady. You know? yeah. it's, it's what was popular at the time, and they knew that their audience was changing. Oh, yeah. So now they had to put out what we call MILF rock. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what was listening to them, you know? It wasn't yeah. guys outside tuning the aforementioned Barracuda in the driveway with mm-hmm. them on the AM radio. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was moms taking kids to soccer practice and everything. Oh, totally. And, well, you get, you get past the point um, you know, a lot of these musicians, a lot of these guys and, and these ladies and bands uh, do where you can do anything else. Right. It's not like you're going to retire from this and then go sell insurance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You got to change with the times. You mm-hmm. know, you got to you got to keep the record sales up to the extent that you can pay the rent. Yes. And uh, and you do what you have to do. I mean, it's a lot of it. I think a lot of people regard a lot of the things that a lot of the bands that were. Uh, prominent in the 1970s uh, did in the 1980s was unforgivable. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a lot of people understand the reality of being a musician, being an artist in general, um, past the point where you can do anything else. Right. And, uh, and you know, again, you got to pay the rent, you got to put food on the table, you know, re- regardless of whatever you've committed to or whatever you're obligated to, mm-hmm. you got to keep on going. And credit where credit is due, they did. Yeah. You know, I don't personally like any of the stuff that they did in the 80s. I think a lot of the stuff they did in the 70s was just, you know, like I said, timeless. It's mm. like you register that stuff. 
Um, Magic Man was another great cartoon yep. where it's like, you know, if you're a musician and you're in a band, you wish you had a tune like that. Oh, yeah. That and, you know, Heart was one of those bands that when I was doing their hour on the Classic Rock Showcase, yep. as I kept pulling down and doing research, all the songs to play, I'm like, wow, they did that? I, I didn't think of that one. Or I forgot yeah. about this one. Yeah. On and on and on. And before you know it, that hour was full and it was easily full. Yeah. I didn't have to touch any of the stuff from the late 80s. You oh, know? Yeah. So I was happy about that. And again, credit where credit is due. They're still kicking around. They're still yes. playing. Yep. Um, I think one of them married Cameron Crowe. Really? Um, I, yeah, I think it was. I think it was Anne. Huh. Um, and you know, for people who don't know it, Cameron Crowe was the guy behind Almost Famous, mm -hmm. and he was behind Fast Times in Ridgemont High, and a lot of other things. Um, you know, icons of the Seattle rock scene, and uh, and they, you know, again, you know, we all know about Seattle in the 1990s. A lot of people don't know that a lot of those musicians looked up to the Wilson sisters oh, sure. as you know the the people who paved the way. Who carved the path? Yep. And uh, hey, look, I mean, there, there was a lot of great acts that came out of Seattle that had nothing to do with grunge. Oh, it's true. No more so famous than Jimi Hendrix. Case in point. Case <laughs> there in point. You go. Yeah. So maybe so. it's something we're missing out on <laughs> on the East Coast. Something in the water up there in Seattle. I, I guess, I'm telling I guess. you. I'm telling you. But you know, to circle back, why did we start with heart? Do we, we always have a reason, yeah. don't we? We, we do. have an agenda. Because yeah. I'm programmed that way. You're more free willy. Let's uh, take life bit. as it comes. A little bit. Well, I'm, I'm all for having an agenda that means, you know, having no agenda. You know, right. that's sometimes my agenda. And but I'm too no, neurotic. This... I want the trains to run on time. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, no, folks, we do, in fact, have an agenda. Because we, we want to we focus on something today, don't we, John? We certainly do. Because it's time to pay tribute to the ladies. Yes, on this format of Riffs and Rants, we're going to give... Uh, Female contributors, like the top, in our humble opinion, yeah. top female contributors to rock and roll, uh, possibly of all time. Yeah. You know? And there's never a bad time to do it because, you know, rock and roll is still primarily testosterone driven. Yes. You know, and it takes, it takes a bit of effort and it takes a bit of will. Mm -hmm. And uh, it certainly helps when you have some good songs, yeah. you know, for women to break through. But there's, there's a lot of good examples of, of women who did. Mm. And, uh, and there's never a bad time to, to give them a little acknowledgement and give them the credit they have coming. Sure. You know? Now, looking at the handful of artists that we're going to discuss, we didn't mean to exclude anybody. But oh, we'll try God. and keep it like three apiece <laughs> or we could be talking for hours, folks. Trust yeah. us on this one. Yeah. In, in, in all honesty, it's true. And it's a credit to them, too, that we could talk about this for hours. Sure. We really could. Yep. But yeah, you know, given the time constraints and what we do here at Riffs and Rants, we've got to narrow it down a little bit. Yeah. You know? But I'll tell you what, folks, if you like this theme, then, of course, tune in 8 o'clock every Friday night right here on Big Boom Radio for Girl Power the women of rock. There we go. See? We always nice. give a dose. We always pay props Gotta to the ladies do it. here. Gotta do it. So, that so what are we said, thinking, John? How are we going to do this? You want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, well, 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 you got we, three? Are we talking our, our most influential, our most successful? How do we want to uh, context this? It, what are you thinking? It's an amalgamation, but I would say okay. what supersedes everything else is the gravitas and, and what they brought um, to the table okay. as okay. A, a foundation or... or uh, inspiration for acts that came after them. All right. Maybe they were groups that, or, you know, not just bands, some of them are individuals. Something sure. they could do, whether it was sing or play guitar, that nobody else could do as good as them. Okay. 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 I got it. It's, I got it's, it. it's tough. And I mean, just picking three, and of course we'll have honorable mentions. Yeah. But just picking three is daunting. So it again, is. if it you're is. playing I'm, along I'm, at I'm home. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because it is hard to narrow it down. It truly is. Right. We're going to throw out a lot of honorable mentions here, I think. Sure. You know. All right, so let me kick it off right. uh, with one of my three. And, of course, no particular order. 
Um, I'm going to go with Heart, and this is why I chose nice. him as the first jam of the episode. Yep. Very simply because, and I wish I could remember the super long extended metaphor I gave to you, <laughs> Michael, when I first explained this. Yep. But if I'm in, let me paint the scene for you, folks. All right. All right. I'm in a dingy biker bar with red submarine lighting and a haze of smoke and all kinds of violent shenanigans going on around me. I can uh, so relate to all of right. this. I've got yeah. a dirty glass with mashed whiskey in it, nice. and I'm just drinking whatever her name was away. <laughs> There's going to be a song that comes on that jukebox, probably yes. going to be a classic rock song. And mm-hmm. if it's hard, I am so cool with that because they rock. There are a lot of... Uh, famous female musicians in rock and roll or even popular music that got by on image, marketing, things of that nature. But these ladies, you know, just were phenomenal. They shredded. They shredded. I mean, between the, the singing and the, and the guitar playing. Yeah. And it's, it's songs that, you know, the best stuff was done in the early 70s. It still holds up. Well, again, in the early 70s, this was, this was some groundbreaking shit. This right. was relatively unprecedented. Mm-hmm. There weren't too many... Uh, bands, you know, whether it's you know female artists or, or bands that were fronted by female artists yep. that could say this. Like I said, you know, going into this, they would hold their own and they would be included in categories with bands that were down and dirty and nasty, like Aerosmith of that sure, era. Sure, sure. You know, and the fact that 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 Barracuda, nineteen seventy seven. You know, that was the era of that type of music. Right, you know, right. that was when Led Zeppelin was peaking. That was when, the, you know, the Stones were throwing down some serious shit. Yep. And Hart was right in there with them. Yep. So in addition to, obviously, you know, Barracuda being one of my favorites, um, there's Magic Man. There's mm-hmm. Kick It Out. There's um, Even It Up. I mean, there's so many good tunes. Like I said, you, you keep, like, looking at it, like, oh, wow, they did that, they did that, they did that. So easily for me, as far as, like, I'm picking them because they're such a balanced, good rock band that just happen to be fronted by two immensely talented women. Yeah. Heart's my number one. And God only knows the kind of shit that the two of them put up with. Oh, yes. You know, in that era. Yep. Um, you know, we hear a lot of stories about bands like the Runaways. Right. Chasing them off the stage, calling them whores yeah, and whatnot. throwing shit at them and everything like yep. that because they were something different and they mm-hmm. were something unusual. And they were breaking new ground. And that always... Always happens to the groundbreakers. Yeah. You know, and, and quite frequently, the groundbreakers don't get credit. They don't make any money. And, uh, you know, credit to, you know, the Wilson sisters and Hart that they turned that one back. Yeah. You know, they do have the credit. They made it through that era. And, uh, you know, that took, some, that took some, I mean, I'll say. Good job, Ann and Ann. Took some ball, balls, you know. It really did. So, yeah, God love them for it, you know. What do you got, Captain? Uh, you know, if I'm teeing off on number three, I'm going to have to throw some honorable mentions first uh, to, to get them off the list because I don't want anybody to think I'm a, you know, I'm an asshole for forgetting these girls. I think the court's already in session. On yeah, that. all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, before I get to my number three and start off my, you know, one, two, three list, I got to throw mm-hmm. out some honorable mentions to uh, Chrissy Hine. Okay. Uh, from the Pretenders, yep. you know, Chrissy came out of the uh, the English punk rock scene and uh, and carved a path when there were very few ladies doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to give some credit to the Go Go's, mm-hmm. you know, who have now come back into uh, some degree of the spotlight and some degree of prominence, and people are recognizing what they accomplished in their time. Right, uh, they were the first girl band that played all their own instruments, wrote all their own songs, and uh, they came out of the punk rock. Uh, scene of the, the, the 1970s in L.A. Credit where credit is due. 
uh, gotta throw some love towards Debbie Harry and Blondie. Mm-hmm. You know, they were kind of like the East Coast version of right. the Go Go's. You know, <laughs> and uh, same thing came out of the punk rock um, era. Yep. Uh, and found success, found, you know, CBGB some mainstream... alumni. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And found some mainstream success. And, uh, you know, you, you can't mention... You can't go down this list without giving props to Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane. You know, she was one of the groundbreakers in the 1960s. And, you know, still to this day, some of the, some of the great Grace Slick Jefferson Airplane tunes mm-hmm. are, are being played out there. But uh, on my number three list, and, and in no way am I... Uh, uh, underselling her accomplishments, uh, but I'm going with Patty Smith. Gotcha. Um, anybody that's ever heard the line, Jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine, I mean, if that was all Patty did, she would be immortal, right. you know, forever. She, again, you know, punk rock priestess. And the, mm-hmm. the thing that was really cool about Patty was she was a poet. Before she was a musician, before she put the band together, mm-hmm. before they emerged out of the New York punk scene of the 1970s. Right. And uh, yeah, every time I hear that line at the beginning of her version of Gloria, it's still. That still was the 70s shivers. equivalent of Sinead O'Connor ripping up the picture. Yeah, of the Pope. quite literally, <laughs> man. You did not say shit like that. Nope. At, at Especially that in New York. Yeah, you know. So props to Patty. Patty's still kicking around. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, she just came out with a book. I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but I went out and got a copy. And. You know, she's an artist. She's the epitome of an artist, and she laid the groundwork for so many female artists that came mm. after her. So she's got to be included on the list. She's got to. So right. that's my number three, Patty Smith. Good choice. Thank now, you. Now, by the way, folks, we had briefly discussed um, some of our choices, uh, and that was easy. The gems today were hard. Yeah. We, oh, God. The, the, we, we battled a little bit. I still hate this man across from me, <laughs> but you can't win them all. All right. So my, my number two entry. Uh, wow. A little off the beaten path. Um, and I, I respect you for it. Thank I you. truly do. Because this is actually from your punk rock wheelhouse. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, a group known as the Distillers, but primarily the uh, lead singer, uh, Brody Dahl, who is not only in the Distillers, but she had some solo projects, one just her, another group called uh, Spinneret. Here's the thing. I've never been a huge fan of punk music because... The vocals to me were always off-putting yeah. because the, you, you didn't need to carry a note to be an effective punk rock singer. Mm-hmm. You needed good lyrics, and it needed to be in sync with the savageness of, of the music. Yeah. And with that, a lot of people would just mail in kind of like an A-flat <laughs> monotone. <laughs> well, that was the unusual thing about, about punk rock is you didn't necessarily have to have musical chops. Right. You, know, you, just, you just had to have an attitude, and you had to have something to say. Yep. And Ladies was, and gentlemen, Joy Marone. I mean, there you go. Yeah. But in, in this case, um, I like Brody Dahl because, and I have to actually uh, paraphrase a YouTube comment on one of her videos, that this is what um, Joan Jett would sound like if Joan Jett grew up listening to Joan Jett. <laughs> and I just thought that was so perfect. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's flat, and a lot of her stuff with the distillers is very flat. Like, here's the lyrics, and then she spits in your face, you know. And she's all done up in that, that yeah. stereotypical punk look with the spiky mohawk and the shaved sides of her head and everything. But I say all this in jest because it's readily apparent how legitimate she is. Yeah. And when you watch her, when you listen to her songs, it's just like, yeah. And now she's probably uh, in her early 40s now, and she's still putting out stuff. And it has mellowed somewhat, but there's still no mistaking that it is 
true blue rock and roll. Yeah, and credit where credit is due. I, I, I got to give props to Johnny on this one. I was familiar with the distillers. I, I, I was aware of them and whatnot, but it wasn't that dialed in on them. And, uh, and prior to the show, when Johnny popped with this, uh, this choice, I was asking him about it, and he hit me to some of the distiller stuff. And it is painfully obvious, painfully obvious, listening to this girl, how many people she influenced that came after her. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, way cool and, 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 and much props to Johnny for hipping me to this because, quite honestly, I wasn't giving the distillers their due and I was not giving yeah. this girl their due. But, yeah, good and we call, watched, uh, good We watched call. the distillers video, City of Angels, and it opens up with kind of a tagline, Los Angeles, like 3 a.m. in the morning. And it's like, <laughs> hey, man, that's my wheelhouse. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> that's how she won you over. You can relate. Yeah, so a damn good call. And, uh, and yeah, thank you for sharing that, John, man. Sure I, thing, I, man. Yeah, you know, I grew a little bit today. You know, wow. my perspective Don't brought a little bit. Don't make a habit out of that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Shit, Jesus. Oh, so, uh, yeah, fucking A, good call. Good call. You're number two, sir. Uh, Going to jump back a decade from there. Um, Want to throw down... Um, somebody that's just become timeless. Uh, I'm thinking and speaking to Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. How can you go wrong? I mean, she she just she just tore a space in rock history for herself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a funny story. Anybody that knows the history of Fleetwood Mac is aware that Mick Fleetwood went looking for a new guitar player on about 1970. I want to say 72, 73. And uh, was hanging out at a studio in the Valley out in Los Angeles. I believe it was Sunset Sound. And heard, uh, heard an album uh, that had been recorded there from a band called Buckingham Nicks. And he immediately dialed in on the guitar player, who was Lindsey Buckingham. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and said, yeah, this is, this is the guy we need going forward for Fleetwood Mac. And uh, he got in touch with uh, Lindsay and said, you know, man, we'd like to you know, invite you to come play with Fleetwood Mac. And Lindsay said, that's fine, but you've got to take my girlfriend, too. And the girlfriend was Stevie Nicks. Mm. And right from the get-go, from the very first Fleetwood Mac history. that they were, they were involved in, the, I believe it was 1974, the Fleetwood Mac album, Fleetwood Mac, it was 74 or 75. It was the, the album that preceded Rumors, which was in 77. So it may have been 74, 75. Stevie threw down Rhiannon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was our opening gambit. You know, it was like, this is one of my songs, boom, Rhiannon. Right. And immediately carved herself a place in rock history. Mm-hmm. You know, she was channeling, you know, at that point. I don't know if, if you've ever seen the, uh, what was that late night um, rock and roll show that they used to do back, back in the day, back in the 1970s? Oh, the, the Midnight? Midnight Special, Midnight yeah. Special, yeah. If you've ever seen the Midnight Special version of Stevie throwing down Rhiannon, mm-hmm. That will stay with you forever. The tree you now. Huh? All right. This is tiny, tiny little girl. You know, and and this witchy kind of vibe. Sure, sure. And you know, she throws down Rhiannon, and, and if that doesn't make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, mm-hmm. you're dead. You have no pulse. Well, I got to look it up now, just like you got me searching YouTube for old episodes <laughs> of In Search of, based on last episode. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know, but yeah, from that time forward, Stevie has thrown down. I mean, countless. Countless tunes that mm-hmm. are gonna, you know, live on long after she's gone, long after you're yeah. gone, long after I'm gone. Musical I royalty. Mean, yeah, it's it's it, there's so many you can't can't even, and I won't even bother to take the time to name them all. But uh, you know, she's one of those people that, again, like Patti Smith, she she carved a path mm-hmm. for you know everyone that came after her, and uh, you know she's she's an immortal in rock history. And just jaw-droppingly good. And she's still out playing today, just like Patty. Right. You know, and uh, 
you know, just it's indisputable, indisputable mm-hmm. position in rock history. You know, uh, just and you know, it just it it struck me. You know, I'm, like her and Lindsay hung out. They met when they were in high school. Stevie's actually a year older than Lindsay, and you know, they started playing together. They were in a band called Fritz together, and I mean, how cool is she? I mean, she's she's cute as hell. You know, which you can stay even today, even though she's probably in her 60s or 70s. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, she parties. You know, yep. anybody that knows the history of Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. knows that Stevie partied. She's uh, done a turn as an actress on yeah, American Horror yeah, Story. Man. And uh, and she writes her own tunes, and she writes really good tunes. Mm-hmm. I mean, what more could you ask, you know? I would marry that girl in a minute. <laughs> in a minute. No See, ladies, that's asked, what it takes you know, in a nutshell. Just done. Just done. <laughs> you know? So... I'll, I'll, I'll do props to Stevie Nicks. So, yeah, All she's right. my number two. Solid. Yeah, what do you got, John? Well, I tell you what, before I get to my number three, I'll throw out my uh, honorable mentions. Um, and really, there's, there's three, short and simple. All right. And I know you don't agree with all of them, but that's what makes the world go round. There we go. Right. So for my first two, it's like a tie for an honorable mention. And I'm going way back to the 1950s, and I'm looking at uh, the dual threat of Patsy Cline and Wanda Jackson. <laughs> And I do that because, you know, at the time, country music and rockabilly made up rock and roll. Okay? Yeah. We're talking yeah. the infancy of, of what everything else we're I would, talking about. I would about. categorize them as founders. Yes. You know? And that's a good phrase for it because you know, by all rights and all documentation, Patsy Cline didn't take any shit from anybody. That's what I've heard. And that's what made her so popular. And then there was an honesty that came through with her voice and her songs. And she might be pining about her man. But, you know, she'll turn the other cheek and cut him if she needs to. (laughs) And Wanda Jackson was so influential for not just female artists, but male artists in the rockabilly realm. And she was like the Betty Page of of rock and roll for her her time. And her songs, you know, one that comes to mind was um, Eric Clapton did a version of of the old blues tune, Tore Down, on one of his albums. And she was one of the original artists to do that. Yeah. You know, and I would have known this until I dug a little deeper and did some research. Yeah. Um, but so influential. And then also going a little ways back in time, um, I got to give Tina Turner her props. Oh, you got to. Another gotta. artist that really had a split career. Yep. Um, but really, in her case, it was the rare exception where both sides were good and legitimate and respected. Like, she didn't sell out. No. She came back to be celebrated. And at well, a time a when of, people were able to do yeah, that for her. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know what kind of shit she was going through back right. in the Ike and Tina days. Yep. You know, and yet, despite all that, uh, I don't know, torment, mm-hmm. you know, all that turbulence she had in a relationship with, you know, somebody who's generally recognized now as a world-class fucking asshole like mm-hmm. Turner, she was still able to do what she did. Right. And, uh, and again, an influence, you know, mm-hmm. to many, many people that came after her. Not just females. She had a heavy influence on Mick Jagger. Sure. You know? And uh, so, yeah, you got to give props to Tina, definitely. And then lastly, I'll give a little super quickie props um, to one of the more modern artists that went way too soon. That, of course, would be Amy Winehouse. Of course. Because you know, I feel that without her influence... That wave of blue-eyed chantreuses, uh, the blue-eyed mm-hmm. soul singers from oh, Great yeah. Britain, yeah. whether it be um, uh, with the girl that did Skyfall, um, I'm drawing a blank. Ah, you lost me Blondly. there. Blondly, Adele. Hi. Yeah, Adele. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and and there's more after just Adele, an amazing, amazing talent. Yes, just a, an insane talent in yeah. Amy Winehouse. And could and do new stuff. Could reach back to Motown and just yeah. pull it all off effortlessly. Yeah, you know, very much so. So those are my honorable mentions and my. Third choice. There we go. Uh, is here for me. 
strictly not just on, on the breadth of her career, but the strength of her voice. Um, it's actually, uh, she has a vocal range known as uh, contralto. Okay. This is really? Annie Lennox. <laughs> can you, um, well, I'm not questioning your choice at all, but can you elaborate on that, John? On the contralto part? No, because yeah. I'm not an opera singer, but it's <laughs> okay. not common. All right. Now, Annie started with, I believe, a punk group called The Tourists. Yep. Um, then, of course, you know, she, and she got some acclaim from that, but yeah. when she teamed up with Dave Stewart and did the Eurythmics, yes. that's when they blew up. And again, it, it might have been a perfect marriage of two creative types at exactly the right time. Yeah doing the music that people were just tripping over themselves for. Um, and I remember as a kid in the 80s seeing her and Dave Stewart probably on Sweet Dreams Are Made of This or whatever, sure, sure. thinking, well, look at these weirdos. <laughs> yeah, because here I am, kid in the United States, oh, yeah. suburbia. Well, they, like, they hit at the right time courtesy of MTV. Yeah. I mean, they didn't need MTV, but right. uh, that was a marriage, marriage made in heaven right there. But over the years, and occasionally, look, it, it can't always be about pure rock and roll with me. Sometimes when you're writing something or reading, you want something soothing in the background. Mm -hmm. The way she lifts her voice up to God on tunes like Why, yeah. um, the amazing rendition she did of the old CCR tune, Susie Q. Have you ever heard that one? I haven't. Oh, so good. And it's just uh, other ones like um, Talking With Angels, yep. uh, Walking On Broken Glass. Yep. In addition to obviously all the hits with the Eurythmics, yeah. kind of has, has made her into the elder statesman of the female vocalist. Oh, yeah. And she was knighted by the Queen. She's uh, an OBE, Order of the British Empire, I believe yep. that is, yep. um, for all of the different uh, philanthropic causes that she gives to and of her time yeah. and everything. Just a well-rounded, it's, it's, I tell you what, Somebody I'd like to have a beer with. There we go. <laughs> I always I always put Annie Lennox in a class by herself. She is not easily categorizable. Because she does all kinds of music. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah, she was part of that vanguard, uh, almost like post-punk music of the early 1980s. Mm -hmm. And she had this voice that just cut through everything. Yeah. And it was, it was hard, like I said, to categorize her. You know, is this rock? Is this punk? Is this new wave? Is mm -hmm. this, what is this? And it was just it was just really really talented talented right. vocals and uh, and yeah hard to put her in any different category which is a credit to her and it, it's it's a salute to her mm -hmm. that she isn't easily categorizable that she's just she's just really good yeah and for anybody who thinks that she doesn't rock do yourself a favor oh, play God. what I lie to you on eleven <laughs> and you'll be okay yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely over to you sir. All right. Well, my number one, and again, this is a, this is something that you and I discussed a little bit, little bit of a dispute. Um, but I've always considered this person the one who set the bar for everybody that came after her, and I'm talking about Janis Joplin. Mm -hmm. um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Unfortunately, cut short way too, way too early, after just not nearly enough. Um, she had a she had you know a very short period of time with. Uh, with uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, mm -hmm. which had no business having somebody as talented <laughs> as her fronting their band. Uh, she put out the Pearl album. Um, you know, the, the band, the Cosmic Blues Band, was the band they put together for that album, but that was really and truly a Janice solo album. Um, you know, like I said, gone way too soon, only just, just beginning to touch on her potential, as is indicated in Pearl. But again, somebody who set the bar for everybody that came after her. Right. You know, if you listen to, I mean, you know, she's popular for Peace of My Heart, Ball and Chain, but if you listen to her version of Summertime, 
mm-hmm. you know, where she's not shredding vocally right. when right. she's, you know, applying her talents. I mean, it's just, it gives you shivers. Mm-hmm. It gives you just huge shivers. And of course, you know, Janice was uh, a huge, huge fan of and was hugely influ- uh, influenced by a blues legend named Bessie Smith. And, you know, Janice took that and, you know, brought it into the rock and roll uh, realm, if you will, of the late 1960s. But, like I said, as far as I'm concerned, and, you know, opinions differ, of course, but as far as I'm concerned, Janice set the bar for everybody that came after her. Mm-hmm. Just a stunning, stunning talent. One of those people that you listen to her sing, particularly live, if you've ever seen her performance at Monterey Pop in 67, just just jaw-dropping. It right, makes you right. shiver. And that's it's the like, thing. I mean, wow. even if it's, it's not my cup of tea, um, like, for example, as crazy as it sounds, I know you're not a fan of the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> Pause for effect. Uh, are we gonna Are we gonna do that again? <laughs> no, no, we're not gonna do it again. Just <laughs> okay. make it a, make a reference point. Um, but you know, at the same time, even if I don't have her CDs in my collection, there's no denying um, her stature as a rock and roll icon. There's no yeah. denying that. Well, there's an element of respect. I'm like you said, not a huge Doobie Brothers fan, but I have all the respect in the world for the things they accomplished. And you, you know, meant to say you have all the respect in the world for me for being a fan <laughs> of the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure this discussion is going to continue off air, folks. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of to respect, sure. um, you know, bands and certain artists and what they've accomplished. I mean, I can give you a long list of bands I wasn't particularly a fan of that I have all the respect in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, bands like Metallica and Rush right. don't own any of their albums, but have all the respect in the world for what they managed to accomplish. Yeah, we don't make a crinkle face when they come on the stereo. No, not know? at all. Not at all. <laughs> and I mean, you know, not every every genre, not every artist is for everyone. Mm-hmm. But again, that doesn't mean you can't respect what they've accomplished and, you know, the niche that they've carved out for themselves uh, in the pantheon of rock history. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe Janis Joplin. But mm-hmm. anytime I hear Janis Joplin, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. You know? Party time in the Michael Sean Lee house. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Well, I tell you what, buddy, and now we've wrapped up our uh, perspective top threes. All right. All sides. right. I'm thinking it's time for a related gem. Shall we bust a gem, John? Of course. Like what do you it. got? I like it. Um, all right. Well, seeing as how Johnny had the uh, Johnny had the opening call and I got the middle call, I want to throw down one from one of my honorable mentions. Nice. Just because I absolutely love her voice, I want to go with uh, with Debbie, Harry, and Blondie on this one, and uh, we're gonna throw down a little. Uh, a little, uh, what did we decide on? I forget. We're going one way or another. Was that what the call mm-hmm. was? Because there's, there's a handful <laughs> of them that, that I threw at John earlier, and I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. But, uh, but yeah, one way or another off their uh, 1978 album, Parallel Lines. Um, I think it's a very appropriate song to close this segment. All right, sounds good, folks. Here it comes right at you. We'll be back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff. Another 
70s it does it does yeah and you know it's um it's one of those tunes that they they play a lot um on tv shows and news programs it's like a lead-in for something yeah and you know why because you know all about the uh the message behind the song yeah well it's it's interesting you know for people who didn't know again it's off the 1978 blondie album parallel lines um the lyrics to the song were inspired by an incident that debbie harry had with a stalker Mm-hmm. And uh, not that hard to uh, to picture, right. you know. Given that Debbie was a you know pretty attractive girl, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, apparently she was living in Jersey at the time and had to bail out of Jersey and move to uh, I, I assume yeah. New York. It all happened to get away from this yeah. psychotic <laughs> fool. And uh, and the the lyrics to the to the song take on a whole new meaning when you when you know what's behind it. Just like the police song, every breath you take. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much. It's it's like it gives it an, a creepy element to yes, it. It's it does. Like, and, you know. But they also used to play that song a lot um, on a syndicated show. You might not have seen this. You might have been over in L.A. Um, it was called This Week in Baseball. 
I remember that. And it was hosted by the guy Mel, Mel Allen. Allen. Right. Yeah. How about the, that? The late, great Mel Allen. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever they would do like outfielder follies and things, yeah. they would play one way or another by plot. Because <laughs> these guys are bobbling a ball all yeah. over the place. Well, it's it's one of those songs where, you know, again, there's there's a uh, an element to it that's applicable to a lot of different situations unless you know, mm-hmm. you know, what the song was inspired by. You know, one way or another, I'm going to find you, I'm going to get you, you right. know? And uh, yeah, it, it's 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 one of those one of those songs that yeah it it turns up in a lot of places, kind of subliminally. Right, right. You know, you kind of hear it in the background and whatnot. Because like a lot of, if not most, Blondie songs, a lot of energy to it. Yeah, you know. And and in a lot of ways, you know, we we talked about the Go Go's, you know, previously, and the Go Go's are mm-hmm. now you know back in the news, and rightfully so for what they accomplished. There's a new Go Go's uh, documentary out that's going around right now. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, the you know Blondie and the Go Go's were like the East Coast West Coast, mm-hmm. um, you know, reflections of each other, if you will, and uh, it, very appropriate. I think that the, the Go Go's are finally getting their due, and uh, and I think it would be very appropriate if Blondie and Debbie Harry got their due, and they're still out touring, they're still out sure, playing as sure. well, and yeah. uh, you know, so many different songs that Blondie did, um, you still hear in a lot of different places and a lot of different, you know. Uh, circumstances and mm-hmm. whatnot, and it you know lends itself to the to the artistry of the band. Right, you know they hit on some universal themes. Yeah. You know, and it's one thing to say because um, we had spoken about this earlier about Fleetwood Mac. It's now their songs are appearing in commercials. Yeah, and the knee jerk response to something like that has always been, "You've sold out for the purists among right. us." Yeah, but in reality, it's it's harkening back to people's sentimentalities and the music that they grew up with. Absolutely, but it also speaks to the timelessness of, of these songs because yep. they could more than certainly get somebody to do something new, mm-hmm. but that's not going to spark an emotion with somebody. This is you true. need famous songs that everybody's got some kind of an attachment to. Yeah. Even if they don't care for the song, it's going to stick in their head yeah. and get them to buy whatever it is that they're, they're yeah. selling. And there was an item in the news uh, earlier this week. Um, I don't know if you picked up on it. I think we might have mentioned it in the pre-show. But uh, apparently, Stevie Nicks just sold uh, the rights to 80% of her catalog Oof. for $200 million. That's a nice you know, piece of change. Quarter of a billion dollars. That's a lot of patchouli oil. For, yeah, for <laughs> the songs that you wrote. I mean, if that isn't um, an accomplishment, yeah, yep. you know, some of the purists would have issues with that. Sure. But, I mean, if that doesn't just, like I said, speak to, you know, the accomplishment of writing songs that appeal to people like that. Right. I mean, my God, you know, $200 million. And again, it's, you know... You might literally be on the fence for buying a product or, or getting a service or a subscription or whatever. And when one of these songs comes on, you're going to buy it it's, just because, well, they like them too. Well, I like them too. So yeah, I, the association. Sure. I remember when they came out with, and I, I think it was an ad for Duracell batteries. Yeah. And they had um, Barbie, you know, Ken was in the Barbie vet and he was yep. going to pick up Barbie. And Van Halen's You Really Got Me was on there. <laughs> and it was the first time, and I'm thinking this is probably late 90s, early 2000s when this commercial aired. Yeah. They had never used a Van Halen song in a commercial before. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, after all these years, now we're going mainstream. Yeah. And then all the BS talk about you know, them doing a Super Bowl sort of popping up. Right. But that's how these things happen because they catch this, this wave of nostalgia. Oh, yeah. And plus new people discovering them that's where the money is well i think in a lot of ways um you know a lot of what artists are facing today is 
exactly that challenge. How do we expose new audiences mm -hmm. to our music? You know, album sales don't happen anymore. People don't, you know, unless you're in the country music you know, right, genre, right. of course. <laughs> People don't go out and buy CDs or albums so much anymore. You can't support yourself with that. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to come up with, and, and, you know, radio has changed. Radio has changed significantly. Um, so, you know, as an artist, you've got to figure out new ways to expose people to your music. And, uh, you know, a lot of avenues that heretofore have been uh, crossed off, mm -hmm. you know, for lack of a better term, oh, that's not cool, or you're right, selling right. out, or whatever, now are suddenly viable because yeah. you don't have, you know, the access to mm -hmm. that you had in days gone by. That's Look the way it, things it was, are now. It was art then, and it's art now again. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that doesn't change. But speaking of works of art, <laughs> I think... I, I, I sense a, a, a segue coming on here, John. Yeah, a bit of a segue. I'm just so excited. It's like Christmas morning came twice in the same year. <laughs> of course, I'm referencing one of our favorite little segments called Michael Sean Lee and the Way It Should Be. If, if, if you're surmising uh, that John has, in fact, been giving me shit about coming up <laughs> with material for this particular segment over the last, last couple of weeks, you are correct. That right. has been going on. But, uh, but yes, uh, finally, um, I have come up with uh, some material for this particular segment. And as we mentioned last week, this is a companion segment to... Uh, you Johnny's know, Cup of Venom. Johnny's Cup of Venom. So <laughs> Johnny threw down last week. I, I, I feel obligated to throw down this week, so here we go. All right, here we go, folks. Let's take a listen and see what's on his mind. Hello, neighbors. It's time for Michael Sean Lee and the way it should be. Addled musings from a complicated mind. Doctors and drug dealers are two occupations that are great for people who are not punctual. In both cases, your clients will almost always wait for you unless they die first. And while we're on that topic, Drug dealers with doctors for clients have a very unique opportunity for payback. Make them wait, guys. Make them wait. Earlier this week, I was reading an archive story in The Atlantic uh, about how octopi, which is the plural for octopus, uh, given the drug ecstasy, have a reaction to the drug that is just like the human reaction to the drug. This left me with two very compelling questions. Number one, who cares how Occupy react to a hit of ecstasy? And number two, who would waste a perfectly good hit of ecstasy on an octopus? I can understand getting the cat high, but if you find yourself partying with an octopus or Occupy, then you really need to ask yourself some serious life questions. And finally, a little perspective. In this world, everyone is different, and everyone is unique. But in a world of 7.8 billion people, very few people are special. So get over yourself. This has been Michael Sean Lee with The Way It Should Be. Well, <laughs> that wasn't nearly as whimsical as, as the last episode. I kind of enjoyed that, though. You know, we, we, we shed a little bit of the whimsy and, you know, you we did. brought a little reality, a little uh, reality to the topic. You know? And look, I mean, 
you're half dead if you can't bring up, you know, why would you give uh, an octopus An octopus to hit ecstasy. It's at like, the office water cooler. Who, who came up with that study? <laughs> and who funded it? Oh, my God. And that again, means that, A, a platypus is a horrible drunk. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> what else we got here in the tank? What about oh that chimp? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you know, again, I can understand getting high with the cat. I got that. I get it. Getting high with the dog, you know. But dropping a tab of ecstasy on an octopus, who is the idiot that came up with that? Especially ecstasy. I mean, they're, they're handsy to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> you really want to have an oc- octopus on ecstasy it's on your hands? all over me. Oh, my God. Next thing you know, it's like you got some of that Jap animation with the tentacles and the girls and oh. Man, this was like beyond absurd <laughs> when I was reading this. It was like, I can't believe this shit, you know? This was like beyond... Brought to you by a grant. By the Soros yeah. Foundation. <laughs> Who financed this? Good God. Well, but I guess I guess that's just the world we're living in these is. days, John. You it know? Is. Yeah. Everything that was once considered absurd is now considered normal. Yeah. Poke it till it smells. That's I'm science in a nutshell. You, you know? <laughs> wow. Oh, good Lord. So anyway, now that we've got that out of the way. Right? That was just refreshing. <laughs> but the refreshment doesn't end there, folks. No. Because no. You know, lurking um, in the weeds is, yes, the third gem. Oh, we got another gem on tap. Third gem. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. I remembered we discussed this. Yes. This is, this is, <laughs> this is, I, I, I can't, I don't even know how to context this. This is like, Boom. You know what I'm saying? This is just... We came at him with all heavyweights, so the final gem could be no different. We, we got to close. We yes. got to close, and we got to close big. Big. Huge. Yeah. Do that trick you know that you can only do once. It's like <laughs> that, folks. As I jump into this ordinary glass of drinking water. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and and this, this, folks, is something that both John and I agree on. This is... This is this is heavy duty. This is... Yep. I mean, if we're going to... We're going to give a nod, and we're going to honor... You know, female artists and in rock history. I mean, it doesn't get any higher than this. It what just better way? Not. So you at home, if you can, why don't you dim the lights a little bit? Yep. Light a candle. Light them. This here's baby making music. I'm telling We're you. We're coming at you right now with a little Dusty Springfield, son of a preacher man. And we'll be back in a couple minutes with some more things and stuff. And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along When they gather around and started talking That's when Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he'd look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man You see what he was Yes, he was. Being good isn't always easy, no matter how hard I try. When he started sweet talking to me, he'd come and tell me everything is alright. He kissed and tell me everything's alright. Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes, he was He was Lord, Lord, he was Yes, he was How well I remember The look was in his eyes 
that was smooth. You know, that's just that's that's beyond tasty. Yeah. You know, I can't even. That's that's you can't one to ten on the tasty scale. And on I can't that even one. argue. That's and just, it's you know, rather than do a normal thing. Oh, what year was there? What album did I come off of? Like you said, it all takes it back to Pulp Fiction. Well, that's that's the funny <laughs> thing about it. You know. <laughs> I mean, the, the tune was already iconic, but, you know, Quentin Tarantino does such a phenomenal job with the soundtracks of yes. all his films. Yes. And he fucking nailed that one. Yeah, and what better it. way to bring a classic back into the public consciousness yes. than sticking on a Tarantino soundtrack, yeah. seriously. You know, and, and Dusty, Dusty Springfield, as far as I'm concerned, is an immortal. Yep. She's just an immortal in the genre of music, period. Another blue-eyed British chantreuse. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And yeah, you just you just can't go wrong. That's one of those songs that anytime, anywhere, and uh, and yeah, if you don't, you know, if you don't throw down and get to the loving on yeah. that one, man, then you just you just got <laughs> you no pulse. pulse, right? Yeah, no pulse. So so, um, so again, yeah, we've had so much fun talking about these these female artists and all of their many contributions. And believe me, we're just scratching the surface. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's 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 hard given you know, and we were talking about this the number of artists that. You know, we could have included on this, you know, the, the one that comes to the, you know, uh, uh, you know, top of the list, obviously, and, and who we've talked to before, the Runaways. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yep. and, you know, there are, there are many, many other artists, many other female artists that have, have carved out a niche. Sure. And, uh, and, you know, laid the groundwork for people to come after them. I mean, we get into the, you know, the 1990s bands like L7. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about a Shirley Manson. Yep. Um, Alanis Morissette. Alanis, oh my God, Alanis Morissette, you yep. know. But, uh, you know, heavy duty props to the ladies. Heavy duty props. Yep. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough genre yep. uh, to break into. It's still, you know, a boys club. It's still testosterone driven. Except here on Big Boom Radio. Except where here. everybody can carry a note. It's treated equally. Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned earlier, every Friday at 8 o'clock, it's girl power for a solid hour. And we focus on you know, the, the archetype female performers. And it, it crosses not just generations, but in some cases, musical genres. Yep. Okay? I am not afraid to play some Aretha Franklin if it's time for oh, it. Oh, hell no. Because you can't just be too rigid with, oh, it's not classic rock. Well, look, Aretha Franklin inspired... Again, you an know, unknown number of, you, of performers. Yeah, you want to talk about one of the artists that laid the groundwork. Mm -hmm. You know, not just for other female artists, but just rock and roll in general that came after. Right. Um, you know, the Queen of Soul. I mean, there's just no disputing yeah, she's royalty, that. Royalty, literally, Queen of Soul. She's royalty. royalty. So she yep, absolutely. always gets included. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, including even some of the newer groups, Hailstorm, the Donnas. I have a soft spot. Now, you're a Go-Go's guy. I'm mm. a Bengals guy. There we go. I have to say, I'm a Bengals guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's always a place for them. And then going further back, everything from you know, Linda Ronstadt to Carly Simon, Carol Kane, I mean, you name it, they all contribute to this rich tapestry of you know, yeah. rock and, and roll And folks, you, you should see Johnny walk like an Egyptian. It's an epic sight. It truly Until is. Until I throw a hip out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always a possibility <laughs> in my old age. Yeah. So with that, my friend, I think we're about wrapped up here. Are we there? We've done our damage. I, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Now, keep in mind, this is uh, episode, oh my, 48. Oh, wow. All right. I think it is. Nice. And we're, yeah, we're, no, actually, this is 47. Okay. That's 47. All right. And we are fast approaching the end of the year. We are indeed. Which makes me excited for two reasons. Actually, three reasons I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm thinking party, party, and party. A little bit. A little All bit. Right. Like right. where the law lets us. Nice. But it's about 
a little time off. Mm. Don't cry, folks. We'll be back in syndication. A <laughs> uh, little time off. Uh, another best of episode. All right. And really my favorite part of, yeah. of the broadcasting year. Okay. It's time for the second annual Big Boom Radio Awards. Oh, that's, that's the party of parties, folks. Party of parties. Yeah. We get Nigel and B in the same room. Look everybody, at, everybody at the station gets a vote. And we have, you know, artists that we will put into the Big Boom Radio Hall of Fame because we all know the real Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a sham. Yeah. As well as another one of my personal favorites, the Piece of Shit of the Year Award. Yes. yes. Who will win it this year? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe stay tuned on the website. We'll show you, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does, <laughs> the finalists for this year's Piece of Shit Award. And that is a unique, unique reward that is, <laughs> yeah. that is strictly Big Boom Radio. It's the only trophy I know that you light on fire and throw at someone's doorstep first. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Good fun. Notwithstanding, folks, that's what's up in our neck of the woods. So, as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we will see you on the flip side.